welcome to Linda's Corner. My name is Linda Bjork, and today we're going to be talking about how unexpected events can spark million-dollar ideas. I'm delighted to welcome designer, author, and entrepreneur Jennifer Burke Wiseman. Jennifer is the owner of Just Bones Boardwear, a swim apparel company featuring her patented, award-winning, adjustable waist design. Jennifer is also the author of Sink or Swimwear, My Crazy Days Surviving Life, PTSD, and a cutthroat industry. You can learn more about Jennifer and her book at her website, jenniferburkwiseman.com, and I'll include a link in the description. Welcome, Jennifer. I'm so glad that you could join with me today. Thanks so much, Linda. It's my pleasure to be here. I am so delighted to be able to visit with you, and I'm so excited to hear your story because you did more than just reinvent the board short. You reinvented yourself. And you had a very unexpected, and I would say beyond unexpected, I would say traumatic experience that just changed everything. Would you be willing to share your story? Um, Absolutely. Um, After I started my business, um, we had been in the marketplace about a year and I came back from uh, one of the trade shows that we were doing that now it was the second time we had done this trade show in September in Orlando called Surf Expo. And we're getting a lot of traction in the marketplace. So it was a really terrific trade show. Actually, we had gotten a lot more retailers on board and had met with a lot of buyers. And it was a very exciting time. And I actually had met with Hershey Park. And I remember being really enthusiastic that Perhaps we were going to land this account and a couple of other really large accounts. So I had come home and was really positive and following up on these accounts. Um, You know, this is what I did post-trade show whenever I came back. The next week was really busy following up with emails and following up with the meetings that we had at these shows. And that weekend is a really big weekend because we had a big family event coming up the following month. So we went to this local apparel store for our kids to try on their suits again that had been tailored. And our kids were so excited to try them on because they had these big boy suits, you know, that they were trying on. And everything, you know, went great. They were really excited about their suits that they had picked out. And once that was completed, I had some errands to run for work. Uh, Specifically, I had to go to a photo store that was in town down the street. So my husband and I decided we were going to separate for a little while. He was going to take the kids to lunch, and I was going to go run my errands that I needed to do in town. So I went to town just like any other time that I did. and. went, parked my car and put my money in the meter, was standing at the corner about to cross the street because the Photoshop was right across the street. And I just remember thinking it was just a gorgeous Saturday and, you know, thinking about the event coming up and standing there waiting. And all of a sudden the blinking light came on for the crosswalk and the little person that is there telling you to cross the street. And I was about three quarters of the way across. And all of a sudden, it was just a huge 
bang, like a boom and heard this noise. And next thing I knew I was on the ground, semi-conscious and very confused and disoriented because what had happened was as I was across this, you know, in the middle of the crosswalk, a woman had hung a very quick left. But because I was almost across the street and she was making a left, she was coming from behind me and I did not see the car coming. And when she turned left, she hit me in the hip and knocked me out of the crosswalk and I had landed on my head and my shoulder. And because of that, she knocked me unconscious temporarily. So when I came to, because I hit my head so severely, um, I had been knocked unconscious. And it's just very, you know, anytime you get a concussion, um, you're, you're very disoriented. And I just remember looking up and there's a man you know, kind of squatting in front of me and holding my head and saying to me, I'm going to help you. And that in some way just was comforting that there was somebody there to help me. He had heard the crash from around the corner and came to help me. And I found out later that he was a, a doctor and um, he was holding something to my head to stop the bleeding and fortunately, too, a paramedic who I think was driving by had stopped her car and brought her her back and also was helping until the paramedics arrived. Um, but also what happened, unbeknownst to me, until I saw them, was that my husband and kids decided to come to town to have lunch because there's a lot of restaurants and stores and things in town. But when they drove down the street that enters the town, there's one made road, they saw that there was a lot of traffic and the road had been closed off by the police by this point. So they had to make a right turn and park. And as they were walking into town, to, my husband got a call from someone who was one of the fathers of a kid on the same lacrosse team as my son. And then he also, at the same time that he was answering the phone, saw my purse in the street and recognized it. And then, of course, he saw me next. And, you know, all everything was kind of happening instantaneously. And they realized what had happened. And I didn't know all of this was going on, but I looked up and saw my kids on the sidewalk. And it was also confusing because I'm in shock, obviously, and like I said, still so disoriented. But I just remember thinking, why are my kids standing there on the sidewalk? And they're staring at me, these poor little kids, like deer, you know, in the headlight with their big white eyes. And, you know, they, they're trying to comprehend, too, I think, what had happened and what was going on. And then... My husband came over and I really don't remember every single thing that occurred because I was in such a strange state of consciousness. But um, eventually the ambulance came and, and they took me to a trauma hospital. Um, 
And from there, you know, of course, they, they had to figure out exactly what condition I was in at the hospital. I was there for many, many hours um, waiting to be observed and have a CAT scan and a lot of testing done that, that evening. Wow. How old were your kids at the time? So at the time of the accident, my kids were 13 years old. So of course that was, you know, extremely traumatic for them at that age. Yes. It would be traumatic at any age, but I think the younger you are, the more traumatic that it would be, uh, as far as being able to understand. It's interesting, as I hear your story, you had so much clarity and remembering all the things that took place prior to, even until thinking it was a beautiful day before you crossed the street, and then suddenly everything changed. I'm delighted and grateful that there were people there, trained people who were able to help you immediately before even the ambulance arrived. That is that's beautiful. I'm so glad that they were there to help you. And that, that sight of seeing, I'm for the imagine from your husband and from your kids to see you in that accident is, is painful. I, I arrived on the scene of an accident in time to see my son who had been in a motorcycle accident surrounded by flashing lights and emergency personnel in the middle of the road. And, um, it, it's hard. It's really hard. So I, I'm, I'm kind of feeling right now my heart is racing because I feel like I'm, I'm there, I'm watching you. So what, what did they find out? How, how, how were you? I mean, when they checked your brain and checked things, I can't believe they made you wait for hours. There must have been something. Um, yes, so it is. It's, um, it is highly traumatic. I mean, my husband later told me that he, he was fearful, that he did not know if I was going to make it. Um, after seeing me in the state I was in, I mean, any head wound um, bleeds a lot. So that I think was what was so terrifying um, to everybody. And I'm sure you can relate. Um, and plus, I had a lot of road rash on me. I was wearing shorts and a tank top. Um, but they made me wait so long at the hospital because it was a trauma center. And because of that, when they triage, um, there were other patients and they put people in a specific order. So there was a gunshot wound. Um, there was somebody impaled. I don't know the story behind that, but Whoa. this is just things I remember being told. And so I had to wait for the CAT scan machine and. I had to wait for the doctors and, um, unfortunately the CAT scan that they had did not pick up, um, specific aspects of what happened with my head wound, just that the structural of my, you know, of my body, there was no broken bones. And they looked at my skull to see if there was like an actual skull fracture. Um, What it can't do and what it didn't do was see if I had 
a brain bleed or anything like that, which it ended up missing. Hmm. Um, and so they, they treated what they could and what they saw, which was, you know, they stapled my head wound. They put a sling on my arm and told me to see an orthopedist and they cleaned me up is basically what they did. And I really, when I thought about it later on, I don't know why, but they sent me home. Um, thinking about it, I think later on, I was confused by that because I think you're supposed to watch somebody with a head wound that bad overnight. I can't answer to that, but um, fortunately, nothing bad happened overnight, and um, I was followed up by other physicians later on. Are they the ones who found the internal bleeding and things? That actually was found, believe it or not, uh, three years later. What? On another very specific MRI that was done at another hospital on a very strong MRI machine that was stronger than the two MRI machines I had previously had had MRIs done, or, or I should rephrase that. I had the CAT scan initially. A month later, I had an MRI on my head, on my brain. That did not show it either. And then following that, three years later, I had a very specific brain MRI, which was on a much stronger Tesla MRI machine. And that's what found um, that I had had a brain bleed. Okay. So did the brain bleed heal then? I mean, what happens is when you have internal bleeding, like in your body or other parts, you know, it somehow your body reabsorbs the blood on your brain. For some reason, your brain does not absorb blood. So it just kind of sits there on top of your skull called a hemocidian. And um, that's why they saw that I had had a brain bleed. And then they were also able to pinpoint exactly where did I have the trauma to my brain. And that's how they knew I had a traumatic brain injury. And they actually saw the two points where I got, um, like where I had injuries. So basically I had like a double concussion because my brain hit twice, like like the like the top and the bottom, because that's how hard like I hit the ground. Um, so that's why I was impacted in certain ways, like my speech, my eye, you know, my vision, and it, it impacts you in different ways depending on where your brain is injured. But they could actually see all that on this specific MRI. That's amazing. Yeah. Okay. So I'm assuming if you were still having MRIs three years later, you were having problems that whole time is why you Mm -hmm. needed to keep having checks. So you said you had vision issues and dizziness and what was the other things? I had um, vestibular issues. I had ended up having a processing disorder, which is an executive function disorder that was found um, with this test that I had done, the six hour test. That was done at the JFK Rehabilitation Institute. And I also had, um, there was like speech issues, which is called aphasia. 
Um, I had the balance issues and like spatial awareness issues. There was all kinds of issues that came with this uh, traumatic brain injury. Fortunately, they had amazing doctors there and they knew exactly what type of physical rehab I needed and also occupational therapy. And they did an amazing job helping me get better to the point that I could. I mean, nothing could be 100% fixed and certainly um, the processing disorder could not because I can now not multitask anymore. I can, you know, do one thing at a time and I still kind of mess up my speech, you know, it's improved, but I, I still have word finding issues and I forget words or I'll mispronounce something once in a while. But, um, but you know, at the end of the day, I am grateful that I'm here. Absolutely. I mean, how can you not be? I mean, I'm sure your son, mm-hmm. you know, or you, you're happy to be alive. Absolutely. But, you know, just happy that you can be here, be with your family, and um, do what you can do to make your life better and and move forward. Wow. Not be a victim, you know. I think that's really important. I agree. I agree. I think victim mentality, um, bad things happen, and you might say you were a victim of an accident. But that doesn't have to define you. That That's an incident, yes. not a definition. You right. are all these other wonderful and amazing things. So I am so grateful that they were able to finally figure out what the problem was and not only diagnose it, but then say, oh, okay, then that means we need to do this and this and this to help your brain be able to heal and to help make those connections and to be able to move forward. That I think is so beautiful. I'm, I'm sorry yeah. that it took so long, but I'm yeah. grateful that they were able to find it. And here you were in a position of just getting your business started. And then all of a sudden, everything, everything has to be on hold where it's just, I need to heal. I need to fix. I need to put things together. So how, how did you, I mean, because you were able to move forward. I mean, you have been so incredibly successful with your swimwear. And so what, how, how did you do that? Um, like I said, I, Grew up um, in a way, I think, with because I was a child of divorce. Um, I just never had that victim mentality, and always looked at the glass half full. I I was a survivor, and I think that helped me from my childhood. That you know, I always kind of decided to keep going and. I didn't want to stay in bed. I didn't want to be a victim of this accident. I mean, yes, like you said, I was a victim of an accident, but I didn't have that victim mentality. And also I found in my personality, I didn't want my kids to see me that way. I wanted my kids to understand that You can survive things and, you know, adversity happens in your life. There are challenges, but it is really important to get back up and to be stronger for what happens in your life and to move forward and move past. 
these things that happen. And I think it makes you stronger. You know, all these things that happen, if you don't let them bring you down, it does make you a stronger person for these things that happen. Fear and anger can be so debilitating in your life. I've seen it happen to people and they keep you stuck and from moving forward. And luckily I had already submitted for um, patent for my new board shirt design prior to this accident. And I, I felt like it was really important for me and my family and also my business propelled me forward and it just kept me going. And there were things that I wanted to get done. And my business was, honestly, I say this a lot. It was great for me to have this business at that time because when I wasn't seeing doctors, when I wasn't going to physical therapy or occupational therapy or, you know, legal appointments about the accident, it kept me busy and it kept me focused on something that was positive. And it kept me really energized to do something that I was excited to do, which was to, you know, keep this business going. Um, I actually felt so grateful for the retailers that believed in my idea, you know, this new board short idea. And that was something so positive in my life that it was on the flip side of what had happened. This was something that was enjoyable for me to go to work and to have that aspect in my life of something that brought me joy. You know, it wasn't like work was something like, oh, it's just a job. It, it was something that was positive in my life. And it, in a way it saved me, you know, from being depressed and down and it kept me going as, as well as my family. They were so supportive. You had a purpose. You had yeah. something to work toward. And it sounds like your schedule was able to be flexible enough that you were able to take care of you and still have some space for, for work. It wasn't just like work, 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 work. Am I yeah. right? Yes. Well, I was also fortunate that my husband had sold his business prior to me beginning my business. And, you know, he didn't really need to be <laughs> retired at his age. He was kind of bored. So at that time, after my accident, he came on and started helping me at my business. So really? it was like the perfect blend because he was a terrific business person and he was a great with manufacturing. And so he knew how to deal with the warehousing issues. He knew how to do with accounts, receivables and product inventory and all the things that honestly, I wasn't really that great at that. You know, I was the creative side of the brain. So my joy came from designing. And also, I was really good at sales. That was my background prior to having my children, you know, my kids. So we all excel at one thing or another. 
I did what I was good at and he started doing what he was really good at. It was, it was a great balance. That is amazing. What a wonderful team effort that you were able to fit the pieces together to create something just really perfect and whole where each aspect of the business, because like you said, you're working in any thing of the fashion industry is kind of a cutthroat industry. And uh-huh. here you are just recovering what, where your life is in danger and to be able to keep that moving forward and to be able to work together as a team and to, to stay afloat. I think that's amazing. What an incredible story. I was so fortunate that he really believed in my idea and he also really believed in me and what I was doing and was so supportive that he came and worked with me and um, it allowed me to take care of myself and go do all of my appointments. And so he would run the office and people who worked for us when I wasn't there. And that, if he hadn't done that, I don't know that I would have been able to continue, you know, my company, to be honest. Because, I mean, who would have taken care of the office and the business? Well, tell him thank you. I'm sure you have, but that just makes all the difference to be able to be recognized and to be appreciated that he was exactly what you needed. How marvelous to be able to have exactly what you need in a time like that. Wow. So what inspired you to write your book? I mean, you're, you're doing your business, you're working in the, the board shorts and you've created these designs. You're, I mean, you're working really hard and then yes. you gave yourself, let's do another task. Let's <laughs> write a book. It actually is a really hard thing to run your own business um, because people don't realize you, you can't just take time off. Like you're always checking your emails. And it's, what if somebody has to get in touch with you? Your factory gets in touch with you at night. Sometimes buyers email you on the weekend, but, um, what I, I found was obviously during the pandemic, there were a lot of shutdowns. Um, the factories were shut down at some point. Also, there was no production going on. And as well, I had retailers who they had mandated shutdowns. So, um, some on the islands, they couldn't receive goods. Mm. They couldn't have airplanes come in internationally and also even in California or some other places at one point or another, you know, they weren't receiving goods because their stores were shut down because they couldn't have people come shopping. So there was just a lot of different things going on that kept changing throughout the beginning of the pandemic. And this left me with a lot of time on my hands, not doing trade shows. And those were also not going on. Everything was just kind of chaotic, as we all know, in the apparel industry. And also with the retail industry as well, the whole landscape was changing. A lot of people were were switching to online purchasing. So this left me with a lot more time on my hands than I would have liked, to be honest, because I was used to traveling a lot, used to doing trade shows and used to doing a lot more things every day. Um, and I think we all spent a lot more time indoors than, than we had wanted to. I, I was fortunate to be in Arizona and able to get outside more. But um, 
I started writing it more as a project because I was bored and wanted something to do. And I had all these stories in my head and all these experiences from being in the fashion industry, starting my board short business, what had happened to me. And I, I started wanting to just put it on paper. And that's really how it began. There was no really particular reason or end game, <laughs> so to speak. I didn't even know if I was going to publish it at first, to be honest. It was um, very cathartic to start writing. And that's how it began. And um, and then I did decide I was going to start Pursuit um, to finish it and do it in a way that perhaps I could motivate other people who wanted to be entrepreneurs and also maybe help other people who've been through traumatic, you know, accidents or, or just needed to be inspired in some way that they could get through some event in their life that they felt they weren't going to be able to get past and they needed hope, you know, motive, you know, that motivation. Beautiful. So as you're thinking, I'm thinking in my mind, what is she hoping that they'll get out of this? And as you're explaining the things that you're hoping that people will get, and isn't it beautiful timing as you're writing this during COVID? And for many people, and sometimes it's blown a little out of proportion, this has been a, a traumatic experience for people. And perhaps by looking at your accident, it puts things into perspective a little bit where you realize, well, actually, I, I'm okay actually, what I'm going through isn't maybe as big or as terrifying as I thought it was. Does that make sense a little bit? Yeah. I mean, I, I do feel that it has been an extremely challenging time for some people um, because people handle things differently. And I do think that we shouldn't ever really judge people for how they react to things no matter what it is, because everybody is going to handle whether it's surgery or an accident or this pandemic differently. You know, there's that saying, right? Surgery's um, a bigger deal when it when it's yourself, right? Not when it's somebody else. <laughs> there's there's all kinds of sayings like that, right? Right. Um, and that's kind of, I think, what I'm trying to say is that um, we should allow people to feel the way that they do and not judge them for it. Just I like mental illness. That. I mean, everybody feels a certain way about illness, about sickness, about this pandemic. I mean, some people are becoming agoraphobic. They, they don't even want to go outside. That's sad. And, and it is sad. And I think there's a lot of people that just need to feel hope and motivation and be inspired right now because these are tough times for some people. Maybe some people have lost their business. You know, maybe they've had to close a restaurant. Maybe they've had to close a retail store. Um, and I know people that have had to close their retail businesses um, or just other things that they've had to do. So 
people, I think, are struggling, you know, mentally with having to upend their lives for some reason or another. And it's it's challenging. It's not just about COVID anymore. You right, know, right, or right, their, right, right. Their health, you know. And some people have lost their loved ones. Yeah, so, that's very true. Right? That changes yeah. everything. I love your compassionate um, attitude as the way that you look at things and non-judgmental and that it's okay. And wherever you're at, that's where you're at. And I think I, I agree that people are doing the best that they can. Um, your story just reminded me of a friend of mine who was taking her teenage daughter in for chemo treatments because she had cancer and it was horrible and overwhelming. And as she was in the hospital one day, there was a, another mother who was in absolute hysterics and her daughter had to have a tooth pulled. And I can't remember why she had to have a tooth pulled, but she was just running around screaming, my daughter, she's going to lose her tooth. She's going to lose her tooth. And my friend just sat there and she blinked and she said, wow, I wish I was here for, you know, that my daughter was losing a tooth. And then she paused and said, this is okay. I mean, this is where she's at and this is what she can handle. And this is, I guess that's, that's where she's at and that's okay. And she's, she's handling her situation and I'm handling my situation and whatever situation we're in, we're doing the very best that we can. But I love the idea of bringing hope in. And recognizing, and as we share our stories and say, you know, I understand that you're having a hard time. I may not understand the exact particulars because our experiences are different, but I know what it's like to have a hard time. And I know what it's like to recover from a hard time. And I hope that as you see this experience, that you'll feel hope that you can heal and that you can recover and that you can move forward as well. So beautiful thoughts. Thank you. And thank you for who you are and what you've done. Jennifer, I think you're amazing. Thank you so much, Linda. I appreciate that. And thank you for visiting with me today. I really appreciate you having me on as your guest. Oh, it's been a pleasure. In closing, I'd like to share a quote by Dieter F. Uchtdorf. He said, it's your reaction to adversity, not adversity itself, that determines how your life story will develop. Today, I invite you to choose to be resilient to the adversity in your life so that your story can have a happy ending. See you next time on Linda's Corner. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this episode of Linda's Corner, please share and subscribe to help us reach new listeners. I also invite you to check out my nonprofit, Hope for Healing, at the website hopeforhealingfoundation.org for free ebooks, free audiobooks, and other free resources to help increase happiness, build confidence and self esteem, strengthen relationships, manage stress, and calm feelings of depression and anxiety. I also invite you to grab a copy of one of my books, like Crushed A Journey Through Depression, or Amazon bestseller You Got This An Action Plan to Calm Fear, Anxiety, Worry, and Stress. See you next time on Linda's Corner.